Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Hello, and welcome to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. My name is Austin, also known as Teacup. And my name is Shelby, also known as SheCup. Join us as we embark on unraveling all of your favorite mysteries from the Assassin's Creed universe. From Assassins to Templars to the mysterious Isu and more, we will seek to uncover it all. So join us, and maybe even take a leap of faith. Hey Austin! Hey, Shelby. Are you ready to talk about Assassin's Creed? You almost said Dragon Age, didn't you? No, I didn't. (laughs) Yes, I definitely (laughs) almost did. (laughs) Yes, I am ready to talk about Assassin's Creed. Awesome. Well, I think we have a really fun topic for today. Yes, we do. Um, So last week we talked about the Assassins or the Brotherhood of Assassins. Um... And today we're talking about their counterpart, which is the Templars. Yeah, so, you know, my Dragon Age rotted brain um, definitely thinks of one thing when I hear the word Templars. And then also the other, like, underside, my history minor brain thinks of a whole other thing when I hear the word Templars. And so I I guess I'm just assuming, because I haven't finished all the games yet, I'm just assuming that uh, in Assassin's Creed, the word Templar means something a little bit different from both of those other things. So, is that a correct assumption? Yes, that would be a correct assumption, um, though they are more akin to what your historical brain would want to go to. um, Because, and we'll get into that, the Knights Order of Templars, like so the Knights Templar and the Templar Order are one and the same. One is just a public version of the secretive Templar order. Gotcha. So shall we get into it? Let's jump in. All right. Well, we're going to start at the beginning, just like we did with the assassins. And, you know, we said in legend, the assassins trace their place back to Adam and Eve. So uh, Shelby, do you have a guess of where the Templars trace their lineage back to? Um, well, I would guess, but it would be kind of uh, disingenuous because I've already looked at the show notes for right. today. So, <laughs> All right. Um. Well, so legends say that Cain was the first Templar and he kills his brother Abel over the Apple of Eden, which for those of you who are religious and those of you who are not, you might be familiar with the story of Cain and Abel. It's found in the uh, Hebrew Bible in the book of Genesis, and it's a story of... A brother, it's called often called the first mortar, or murder, not mortar, murder. Um, and Cain kills his brother Abel because Abel has God's favor, and Cain is jealous of that. And he wants 
God's favor for himself. And so he commits murder, which, okay. Um, Whole lot of things there. Yes. But so in this version of history, Cain actually kills Abel because he wants to wield the power of the Apple of Eden. So that's a pretty, I mean, that's a pretty big, like, change in motivation. Yes. Um, well, I think it's like a twist thing because the apples are Isu artifacts and the Isu were revered as gods. So another interesting fact that I think for you and me is going to be interesting because of its implications in a religious world, maybe not to all of our listeners, but subject 16, um, Via files hidden in the Animus 2.0, which you can uncover in Assassin's Creed 2, claims that the mark of Cain is the Templar cross. That is interesting. Right. And so, for those of you who do not know, so- sorry, the the mark of Cain is after Cain commits his murder, God inflicts a mark upon him. And you know the descendants of Cain based on the mark of Cain. So, uh, number one, what does that say about the Jesus figure in this Assassin's Creed universe? And second, does that mean that all Romans are descendants of Cain since they used the cross as a means of execution? I think those are wonderful questions. We don't know. That you don't have the um, answers to. I think that we're, and we n- will never get to them. I think that that time period, um, the first century in the Holy Land and in Rome, I think that that's kind of right now, at least in the American culture, that would be a very big taboo for Assassin's Creed to kind of do an ahistorical, historical fiction game about. Um, yeah, I think. Um... The evangelical Christians would boycott it. <laughs> which would make I me, mean. which might make me want to play it more. But, you know, whatever. And so the temp, but so Cain, the mark of Cain is the Templar cross, um, which I just find interesting because so often, and we'll see, the Templars are so linked to Christianity. They're linked to, and the Church of Rome specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Catholicism. Yes. So, that's their uh, legendary beginnings, um, which I find interesting. Which makes sense because, you know, we know, at least from the games, that Adam and Eve were Isu hybrids. So, it would make sense that their children would also be some type of Isu hybrid. Right. That makes perfect sense. So, what about the Templars, like, actual legitimate historical founding as opposed to the legends they tell themselves um so what we can guess is and what we've been told via games just as the hidden ones are a proto-assassin group their counterpart the order of ancients is also a proto-templar group Um, and we'll talk about how they get from Order of Ancients to Templars because they are different in ideology and they're different in motivation. And uh, there's a big player in there that changes that. Um, But we'll get into that later in the episode. So the Order of Ancients is founded in Egypt. Um, 
it's founded by the pharaoh, um, and I'm going to take a try at this, so just be that, uh, Setmek Kar, around 1334 BCE. Which is, the fact that the games claim to know that for a fact is big, because there's a lot about that time period in our own history that we have guesses about, but we don't know. Um, and so this pharaoh was obsessed with the Isu and sought to control pieces of Eden to rebuild Isu society and even resurrect some of the Isu. Sounds like a bad idea. Yes. The order would expand across the known world, expanding, as we talked about, into the empires of Persia, the Egyptian, the Greek, the Roman, and even the early Saxon empire or kingdom, what they would call, you know, Britannia or, you know, we're big fans of the last kingdom and so, you know, the dream of England <laughs> or whatever. And Destiny so is all. speaking of the last kingdom, the order eventually comes to an end after Alfred of Wessex, or Alfred the Great, as he's often known in history, saw to their uh, end. And this is a big thing that when we talk about the, I want to make note of this for later, that the Templars kind of change. The order believed in the supremacy of the Isu, and they believed they were the ones with the secret knowledge to usher in their return. Are your heresy bells going off, Shelby? <laughs> um, I mean, not really. It is the secret knowledge aspect of it is pretty Gnostic, but I guess I'm just a little confused. But keep going, because maybe my questions will get answered. Okay. So, the order in this one, they believed in the Isu supremacy, and they wanted to usher in the Isu's return. This sought them to seek and hoard Isu objects or sacred Isu sites, as we see in Assassin's Creed Origin, with them going after the vault under uh, Siwa. Also, you see this in Assassin's Creed Odyssey, with their wanting to control what they can call the uh, Tainted Ones. Um, which these are those who, who, like Adam and Eve, contain Isu-human hybrid. And they believe that the Tainted Ones can actually be their undoing. So they seek to control these Tainted Ones. And the Order of ancient, Ancients kind of adopts a tritheism with the Father of Understanding, the Mother of Wisdom, and the Sacred Voice. That's really interesting. Yes. Um, you can see in that how uh, Christians would latch on to it. Yes. Um, and it's very much, I'm kind of uncomfortable with how Trinitarian and like of the like Christian Trinity it is. Um, yeah. But, so the Order of Ancients tries to establish themselves in all of these places and they're constantly thwarted thwarted by these groups of proto-assassins, whether that's Cassandra the Eagle Bearer and her work against the Cult of Cosmos and the Order of Ancients, whether that's the Artabanus group with uh, Darius and the assassinations of King Xerxes or Bayek and Aya and Siwa taking down 
them because, you know, don't kill someone's kid. That's a good way to just make an enemy for life. It's a good way to start a blood feud. Right. Um, and so they keep expanding and falling and rising and falling until their order starts to settle within Anglo-Saxon England. So this is where the events of Valhalla come in. Yes. So in the 9th century CE, the the leadership of the Order of Ancients comes to Alfred of Wessex after his father and his brothers are killed. And Alfred is not about the Order of Ancients ideology. He's not about the Isu supremacy. He's not about the um, worship of these artifacts. He's not about pagan ways, as he calls it. Um, and you can talk to him in the debate. So Alfred, this is a big spoiler section for Valhalla. So let's uh, preface that before that. So if you don't want to know what happens in the events of Valhalla, Skip ahead, Skip like ahead. 10 minutes. Yes. So Alfred, under the pseudonym A Poor Soldier Under Christ, begins to write to an assassin named Haytham, who is a correspondent and a friend of Eivor Wolfkist, the, main ta- the protagonist of Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Um, and through this, he, ge- he leaks information to different sages, I believe they're called, or uh, basically leaders, different lower-level leaders of the Order of Ancients throughout England. So Alfred does this via letter. Yeah, through writing and, like, other, like, he, he, he corresponds with this assassin named, or hidden one named Haytham, who then is the, like, kind of serves as the quest giver for Eivor to go and hunt down these members of the Order of Ancient. Um, And so Alfred manipulates Eivor into completely eliminating the uh, Order of Ancients in England. That's interesting. To where he is the only one left standing. Eivor or Alfred? Alfred. Alfred is the leader of the Order of Ancients, and he uses Eivor to kill everyone who's underneath him. Does Eivor know that Alfred is the leader of the Not Order of Ancients? Not till the very end. Okay. Um, Interesting. Which he meets him in the little hideaway swamp marshland that they go to after the Earl Guthrum. Ethel and Gog. Yeah, after the or- Earl. Wow, look at me. I know. Did you just, I just knew the name of that town yeah. is Ethel and Gog. Yeah. Like, come on, and be impressed. After please. the Earl Guthrum sacks Winchester and drives Alfred out. Um, but the Alfred begins to kind of change the order's perspective. Um, he basically rejects their, their pagan ways and wants to reframe the order into the, aligned with his more Christian worldview. So basically, he gets rid of the whole, like, three gods thing. Yes. Uh, he rejects the tritheism of the order and asserts that there is only one father of understanding, and that is the Christian God. Interesting. Yes. 
So, can I ask a question real quick? Uh Uh-huh. So, is Alfred's motivation for eliminating all of them from Britannia, from England, from Saxon lands, just so he can be the sole ruler and change it all? Or does he have some other kind of motivation? So, I have a quote. So, before I answer that, let's read this quote. So, this is from uh, Alfred of Wessex. There is only one father of understanding. He is the Lord above. He is order incarnate. Therefore, may the father of understanding be this and not else, the invisible hand that plucks harmony from the strings of the universe. Nothing more. Let all remaining pagan blasphemies wither into dust. So I think that Alfred's motivations are... Twofold. I think that, and I'm using kind of like my knowledge of the real Alfred the Great and my influence of what he's presented in the Last Kingdom show and what I'm presented in Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I think that at least what we know, Alfred the Great is a truly devout Christian. He wants to bring about a Christian world and a Christian England. And so he wants to rebuild the order so that he can make it in that kind of understanding. And I think it's also a matter of there's a lot of history that's built upon the order of ancients that he inherits, and Alfred doesn't like things that he doesn't fully understand or control. And so... I think he wanted to eradicate it so he could build it anew, something that's more in line with his vision of what the world should be. Yeah, that makes total sense. And so, we don't really know when, like, this, we know this change begins with Alfred, but we don't know when they start calling themselves Templars, really. What we do know is that during the Crusades, the Order decides to form itself into a military force known by the Church, known as the Knights Templar. And so they, they begin to operate in the, in the Holy Land, in the Crusades, where they're looking for pieces of Eden, and where they're trying to bring about order and this is a big thing for the templars is order order to the world and when we get into their beliefs we'll get more kind of into that i think that makes sense because that's kind of what alfred is concerned with too is order over the chaos of like his worldview and so this is where we kind of see the templars move into various different parts of the world especially post crusades um, when, so again, spoilers for Assassin's Creed 1, the, in those events, the, grand, the mentor of the Assassin Brotherhood and the Grand Master of the Templar Order are the same person, um, Al Mullen. And that kind of like, he is very much motivated by understanding this Apple of Eden and controlling men's mind and being motivated to bring out peace. After he is killed and assassinated by Altair, the Templars kind of scatter and they're starting to like try to get them, get them into places where they build up their own order 
in other empires. They start having hands in like the Chinese dynasties and the and the Mongols and all of that stuff. They go back into England and try to assert themselves in the English kings and other motivations like that. And so they keep moving and getting their political influence and there's like this back and forth between the assassins and the Templars throughout these next hundred years of like, okay, maybe the assassins will get a leg forward and then the Templars will push back and get another leg forward. And it seems like this never-ending conflict until, and we talked about this last episode, in 1307, King Philip of France and Pope Clement work together to officially disband the Knights Templar, resulting in the raid of a huge Templar stronghold in Paris or outside of Paris and what we think is, what the assassins think is the eradication of the Templar order. Right, but it's not actually. But it's not actually. Um, it's more of a, they kind of retreat back and they decide, they, they take a look at themselves and they say, okay, being a fo- like a forefront order didn't work for us. So let's, just like the assassins take their cues from the Order of Ancients and Templars and say, okay, let's get some political influence. The Templars say, okay, let's go back to this secret order. Let's start working in the shadows. Let's start working behind the scenes. Um, And they start doing that. They infiltrate huge families in these different cities in Madrid, in all throughout what is now the Holy Roman Empire in Renaissance Italy. And... You know, they infiltrate the papacy and, like, rulers in Venice and Tuscany and the Ottoman Empire in Constantinople. Like, they keep moving into these places to kind of expand and create more strong holds until there's kind of, like, this movement where the Assassins and Templars start having, again, areas that are theirs. Like, the American colonies, after the events of the American Revolution, become very, very Assassin stronghold. Whereas England is Templar from the death of Edward Kenway to the, till the, the turn of the century in World War One, And so, you see that in, like, the Templars start building their uh, their influence. They start building all this power, and they they get behind these movements that seem progressive. They're behind industry. They're behind like what looks to be the forwarding of humankind, but is really a front for them to control and bring about this order that they bring. Yes, and so there are constant conflicts until. Templars get really clever and they realize, they think, okay, we've got this political power, now we need economic power. And so Henry Ford, uh, Ransom Eli Olds, and uh, Eero Kramer, who we talked about in the Animus episode, he developed the Die Glock. They found, they found a company called Abstergo Industries. And this becomes the Templar front and their company for the rest of the known history. Into the current modern timeline. Abstergo is a pharmaceutical company, but it also develops lots of 
and this is kind of terrible, lots of technologies that used by the Nazis at the start of World War II. Okay. Which, to me, like, a lot of times in games, you can get to this point of, like, okay, you can see both sides. You can see, like, like even, like, we take Dragon Age, for an example. We take the Mage Templar war. Throughout the games and the pr- information presented to you in the games, you could take... There's not really a good guy. Like, there are good people and bad people, but, like, you could... You could really pick either side in the debate. Yeah. I don't find that with the Templars. And it's this. It's this kind of information that gets it. Like, they developed technology and devices used by the Nazis in World War II. Like, did they develop... Which means they developed technology to murder, to commit mass murder and genocide of of entire ethnic groups. Yes. Entire ethno-religion. Like, that's not... Okay, and even if... Even if the modern group doesn't have anything to do with that, like, that's still your history. That's still where you came from. Right. So, like, and they, they, why would you want to be part of that? They conduct human experimentation under the Nazis. They conduct all of these terrible, terrible things. And so Abstergo continues after World War II, um, still under the guise of this pharmaceutical, like, inventive company. And the Templars start infiltrating in economic power and start manipulating the leaders of the world. Because they start developing technology that the world is dependent on. Like what? Um, If I'm thinking mainly, like, because their main thing is pharmaceuticals, like developing... Oh, so like medicines. Medicines and, and other things, like technology for hospitals and other, like... It's like the opposite of, like... The assassins want to uh, use murder to accomplish humanitarian means. So, like, they want the freedom and justice and free will for all of the people in the world... And they're willing to commit murder and kill people to make that happen. And the, and the Templars are using humanitarian means to commit mass murder. Exactly. It's, yeah, it, yeah. There's so they're much kind of two sides of the same coin. And this is a good point of, like, in the games, it's talked about that both the Assassins and the Templars strive for peace. Just their means through which they get there. Well... And I guess how they want people to behave once they get there. Right. And so I have another quote. And this is just kind of like, this is during the Enlightenment period. Mm, My favorite. And this is what they say about the world. No longer would we tolerate savagery and ignorance. No longer would we stand idly by while men of science were made to suffer. No longer would we let mankind be led by selfish ambitions. The mistakes of the past, our mistakes, had to be rectified. Society's leaders and thinkers had to be influenced, not controlled. And that's an excerpt from the Abstergo internal files. You know... You know, to me, 
the whole quote sounds like you're just trying to control people. And then at the very end, they're like, but we're not trying to control people, though. Exactly. So it's kind of confusing. Like, you're just lying about what you're doing. (laughs) And so now would probably be a good time for the break before we go into kind of what the Templars believe. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, let's go to that break. Fellow survivors, Vault 76ers, patriotic Americans, this is Lieutenant Colonel Valeria of the New Enclave. Follow our stories as our cast of characters emerge from the White Springs bunker to face an uncertain future in an Appalachia overrun with monsters. But as I always say, the wasteland isn't going to tame itself. Join us here on the Modus Files. We can be found on any Enclave sanctioned network, including Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and more. Keep your pit boys handy and listen for further instructions. Valeria out. Let's do it. Okay, so welcome to the break. Welcome to our middle section of the show. And this is where we just like take time to. Um, highlight any news or upcoming things that we're doing on the podcast, read reviews, um, and all that kind of fun stuff um, that's more like taking care of business and not the content of the lore. So um, the first thing I have to say is that we are a new podcast. This is our third episode. So the best way to get the word about word out about our show is to share it on your social media accounts and to leave us a rating and a review on either Spotify or iTunes, Apple. Um, You do not have to listen on Apple Podcasts to leave us a review there. So, just an FYI. Um, And if you do leave us a five-star review, we will read it out on the show. And Austin, I think we have our first five-star review to read for the show. Is that correct? We do. All right, so this review comes from Courier7. They say, amazing podcast. Been a fan of Assassin's Creed games since Assassin's Creed 2 and completed them all since. This podcast does a really good job of going into lore and characters in Assassin's Creed universe. I'm looking forward to listening to more episodes. Thank you, Courier7. Yeah, thank you. I also started with Assassin's Creed 2. I did not. (laughs) No, we did not. <laughs> but that's okay. Um, yeah, so thank you, Courier. We really, really appreciate it. Um, and if you want your review read out on the show, um, drop us a review on Apple. Yeah, definitely. And we also have a Discord community. If you are interested in joining that, you can follow the link in our episode description to join the Robots Radio Discord, um, which you'll find us there for our Assassin's Creed Lorecast channel, and you can find our other shows, um, such as the Dragon Age Lorecast channel, there as well. Is there anything else we need to talk about in the middle break? I don't think so. All right, well, let's get back to our content. Yes. Do you know what makes your video game bay tick? Have you ever wondered how they stack up against all the rest of the delectable digital dates? I'm Genesis, and we analyze and review all of your favorite video game romances. I'm Vervada. Check out our podcast, Two Girls, One Ship, on all your favorite podcast places. Remember, beauty is in the eye of the controller. 
All right, so before we delve into Templar beliefs, there is one more event that we need to talk about. Oh, yeah. Um, which we did talk about last episode, so I'm not going to go into too much details. But in the early 2000s, the Templars start de- sending sleeper agents into the Assassin's Brotherhood. Um, one of the most uh, notable is Daniel Cross and Lucy Stillman, though we don't find out about Lucy till much later. But Daniel Cross through his infiltration, begins what's called the Great Purge, which is where the Templars begin purging the assassins throughout the world. Um, And this is thought that the assassins have not really ever recovered from this, and they just kind of move about, like, they become very secret, there's very few of them, and the Templars kind of act like they won at this point. They control the world's largest company. It'd be like controlling, like, Walmart or Google or something like that, or Amazon, very much like controlling Amazon. Um, and this corporate overlord that's happening, and the assassins are pushed underground, and they don't know what to do, and it looks like they've won, and that's kind of where we're at in the story of, like, the Assassins, the modern-day story of the Assassins trying to, like, rebuild and strike against the Templar Order. Um, but so that's that's where we're at. Um, so let's talk about their beliefs. Last episode, you asked me, because we talked about that the Assassins were agnostic or atheist, so what were the beliefs of the Templars? Templars are typically irreligious or they're deist that's interesting i think i think some people um who maybe like you're not religious or you haven't like you haven't studied like religious studies in college or whatever would think those are the same things but they're not it's very different to be you know agnostic versus a deist like those are two very different things and even agnostic and irreligious like to me irreligious is saying there is no religion, there is no God, like, I don't participate in any of that. Whereas agnostic is like, there might be, but I don't know. Right. And deism is still theistic. They still believe that there is a God, this God is just removed from the world or gone from the world, which kind of lines up with how they view and what they inherited from the Order of Ancients in, like, this belief that Isu are supreme beings. Um... And so another thing about Templars is during this time after the Great Purge, they start looking for people with Isu DNA, particularly sages, which we'll get into another episode. Um, And there's kind of different things on if they're trying to create their own Isu or rebirth an Isu, which kind of goes back to this Order of Ancients belief that Alfred of Wessex kind of said, nah, we're not doing this anymore. And now it's kind of coming back. Um, and then there's a whole other offshoot order called the Instruments of the First Will, which are also another episode. Um, but they basically follow the Isu Juno, and it's a whole other thing. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm excited to get there and talk about that. <laughs> well, what else did Templars believe? So the biggest belief is that Templars believe that humanity is flawed and requires a leadership or shepherding by those who understand how the world works. That's, that's arrogant. Right. And this is 
this quote from Hathen Kenway, who is a who is kind of the grandmaster of the colonial Templar order, the Americas. And this is on his view of the human condition or humanity. We're cruel, desperate creatures set in our conquering ways. The Saxons, the Franks, the Ottomans, I could go on for hours. The whole of human history is but a series of conflicts and subjugation, a desire for more and more and more. I mean, I will be honest, I don't necessarily disagree with that quote, and I don't also, I also don't disagree with the idea that humanity is flawed. I mean, we see that in our world, right? Like, we're having conflicts right now. Like, look at, at Putin invading Russia or invading Ukraine. So I, I guess that's not the part of the belief that I disagree with. It's the idea that only the Templars have the answers and only they are the ones that actually know how the world works. Um, because why do you know more than any other person? Yeah, exactly. Um, and so Templars believe their main goal is peace. That is what they say their main goal is, is to bring out peace and an end to all conflict through the subjugation of humanity. Um, and they believe that only through subjugation can the world be moved towards peace. And this is like very much like any means justify what we have to do. Whatever it takes to subjugate humanity, that's what we need to do. Um, and they will, they, will, uh, they will align themselves with any group at any time period. And a perfect example is this, is that in the French Indian War... Templar Order is aligned with England. But at the same time, down in the Caribbean, Haitian slaves are leading a revolt with the help of assassins. And the Templars are aligned with the French. Of course they are. Because a slave revolt is chaotic and they want order and subjugation. I guess I just don't understand. Like, do they want, like, every human who's not part of the Templar Order to, like, be their slave? Like, is that one of yes. their goals? They really want that. They want the world. That's not peace. That's only peace for them, not everybody else. Right. They want the world. They want to reshape and basically control the minds of the masses so that they can reshape the world into something more peaceful. That's insane. And like never, like peace and subjugation do not coincide with each other. It's just not how humanity works. Right. Um... And their belief is that humanity, if left to its own devices, will always continue conflict and destruction. And, like, I want to draw, like, a parallel that we want to get here. Like, this is the same logic that the Reapers use in Mass Effect. Mm. That there will always... That's so true! There will always be conflict between organics and synthetics, and without the Reapers, organic life would cease. Same thing here with the Templars. Without the Templars guiding hands, humanity would eradicate itself. And their loyalty is only to that goal. Whether or not, like, if you align yourselves with them or not, they will eventually view you as disposable unless you subscribe to their thing. And this is a perfect example of what they use. So they, in the American Revolution, the Assassins and Templars are both within the American Revolution, which I think is interesting. Like, they are part of the British, but they're also within the uh, colonial army and, like, that part. 
um, when it's convenient for them. But this is a quote from an unknown Templar source. Democracy must die to ensure the stability of the world. Capitalism will end it. The capitalists do whatever we tell them to. We print the dollars they worship after all. Mm, wow. That's dark. Yes. Uh, and I think that this is where the Templars really get into this ideal and where they differ from the uh, Order of Ancients. Because the Order of Ancients' goal is to bring about the Isu's world order. But the Templars are now saying, we don't need the Isu. We can be the ones who are in control. Right. Um, and so, yeah. And, you know, like, a lot of times, like, this ideology is compelling. And there are lots of points here that, like, when you talk about indoctrination into these groups, there are truths in there. We sometimes, we like to say between each other, adjacently true. Um, and this is kind of... Uh, what uh, Hathen Kenway says to his son, uh, Ratan Hagegan, which, um, or Connor Kenway, whichever name you would want to use. Um, and Connor has just kind of like undone the Templar order in the colonies. And he says, even when your kind appears to triumph, still we rise again. And do you know why? It is because the order is born of a realization we require no creed, no indoctrination by desperate old men. All we need is that the world be as it is. And this is why the Templars will never be destroyed. He's got a point. But it also makes a point that, like, Hatham... I don't think Hatham believes what the Templars believe. I think he's... I think he's just out of it for his power. And so he'll use any main means necessary to maintain that power. But isn't that the definition of being a Templar? Yes, but like, Haytham doesn't really care about the benefit of humankind. Yeah. Um, which, uh, story-wise, like, Haytham was raised as an assassin. His father was an assassin, and he was raised and is tutored by a Templar who convinces him to turn on... The assassins. I bet that's a lot of conflict in their family. I bet there. I bet it is. Um, <laughs> I don't want to be there for that. But yeah, so that's the Templars. I, um, not a fan. <laughs> not a fan. Um, they're definitely the bad guys. I will definitely say that that the assassins might not consider themselves the good guys, but the Templars, at least from an objective and where we get the game. Um, they're kind of the bad guys. And, like, even in Assassin's Creed Rogue, where you play as a Templar, an assassin-turned-Templar, it's still kind of like, okay, like, yeah, what the assassins are doing is not okay, but, like, let's really look at the ideology uh, behind this Templar order. Here's the way I look at it from my limited viewpoint. You know, like, when you're a teenager and you, like... We're doing things you thought were bad, um, but weren't actually hurting anyone or like weren't actually in the long run that terrible. It was just like, oh, you're being risky or, oh, you're just being controversial, but you're not actually like doing something evil. 
that's kind of how I look at the, the assassins. Like, yeah, you may not be like a perfect little goody two shoes, but you're not doing things that are like 100% the most evil. You're like supposed to be the kind of good guys, you know? And, and whereas the Templars are like actually the bad guys. And I think that like this goes back, the difference goes all the way back to Egypt with the founding of Aya and Bayek and like against the Order of Ancients is that yeah. Aya says we'll only assassinate those who deserve it, the sick freaks who try to uh, control us. And I think that that's a big point of like, there's kind of a uh, optimistic humanism to the assassins. Like they know that the world is corrupt, but there's still like this optimism and hope that like humanity can do better. And we ha- and it's like we deserve the right to try. Um, whereas the Templars are on this point of like, no, history has proven we do not deserve the right to try. Which is a hard argument to go against. Because empirically, they've got the evidence on their side. I mean, if you look at big things, sure. But I mean, I, I, I am the kind of person that I believe in like, I believe that the good that humans do are, it comes in the little things. Whereas like the evil things that humans do are the big things like war and oppression and like all these systems we've created. But like the good things are the small things like, you know, taking a basket of vegetables that you grew in your garden to your neighbor or like sending a casserole to your friend who just had a baby or had surgery. Like the little things are where we see the goodness of humanity. And that is totally overlooked, um, by the Templars. And even like when we study history, that kind of stuff is, is overlooked. So that's my take on it. Oh, I think that what this really comes back to is like the difference between them is like, is peace that is forced truly peace or is that goodness that is not chosen truly good are you truly good if you never had the opportunity to be evil right and i think 99.99 percent of americans are going to say no that's not real peace that's not real goodness Um, but you know again that's because we also live in a collective or we live in an individualist society someone who lives in a more collectivist society might have a different take on that well, I think that's that's the real, like, kind of, like, intellectual or philosophical argument that the games are building on of, like, both of them are striving for the same thing, but is what they're striving for really what they're going to accomplish? Because you could argue, like, the assassins want an end to all conflict, but they solve things by stabbing people in the heart with a knife. Right, right. Well, I don't think we're going to get an answer. <laughs> And the answer to that question uh, in this episode. So, um, do you have anything else to add about the Templars? No, I do not. Um, just that they're dark. Yeah, that's true. All right. Well, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. 
Thanks for listening to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. You can find us on Twitter at Assassin's Creed Lorecast, or you could talk to us on Discord in the Robots Radio Discord or our personal Discord server. Both links found in this episode's descriptions. Thank you for listening, and always stay to the shadows to serve the light, Assassins. Ever wanted to be a content creator but had no clue where to begin? Come join me as I sit down with content creators that have already faced the challenges you're up against as they discuss the tips and tricks that help them be successful. Here on The Content Creator's Guide, available wherever podcasts can be found.